0: Welcome to One Chapel. We're a family of neighborhood churches in the Austin area. Our vision is to help people move from where they are to where God wants them to be. It's a place to connect, grow, and serve the communities where we live. You can learn more about One Chapel and how to get involved at onechapel.com. And now, here's this week's message. All right, how to pray a simple guide for normal people is the series that we're in right now. And if you didn't get message notes, as you came in, if you could raise your hand up nice and high and the ushers will come running down the aisle to throw those at you. And uh, there are more of you than there are them. So just keep your hand up just in case and they will get to you. I promise you that. Hey, I don't know. Did you guys hear what I heard a little while ago that there's going to be barbecue here? In a little bit. Did you hear that? And, and J- Jansen was making me, making me hungry. Glad to know that we're going to have some uh, Kansas City barbecue here to celebrate the Chiefs win later on this afternoon. <laughs> best barbecue that there is. No, actually, we're not shipping in Kansas City barbecue, but we're going to have the second best barbecue, Texas barbecue here. Uh, sorry. I can, sorry, I can feel the hate. I can feel the hate. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. It's, uh, there's no barbecue. I, I, I love barbecue. There's no kind of barbecue I don't like. I've never met a barbecue I didn't like. Love it all. Texas, Memphis, whatever it is, Kansas City, it's all good. All right, the Lord's Prayer. There is no better teaching on prayer than what Jesus taught his disciples. That's the Lord's Prayer. And so I want us to start off by just saying this together, the Lord's Prayer. It goes like this. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And we've been looking at this book by Pete Grieg um, that is How to Pray, a simple guide for normal people. And we've been talking about this kind of four-step rhythm, this acronym for pray, P-R-A-Y. And it's not rules on how to pray. Pray but it 's more like dance steps that kind of a simple way to kind of show us how to pray and it 's simply the p is is to pause is to just stop the r is to rejoice, the a is to ask, and the y is to yield and we 're going to be looking at the very first phrase of the lord 's prayer, "Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name now it sounds like an opener because it is an opener. And, you know, a lot of people, when they pray, their opener kind of tells a lot about them. Last week we looked at the, uh, the, the Ricky Bobby prayer of praying to baby Jesus. And that's certainly a way that you can open a prayer that's a, a little bit different. Some people have very poetic and very, you know, high vocabulary words whenever they start their prayer. And I was thinking about this, but my, my dad would say the exact same prayer before every meal. And it was, it was this, the same thing. It was very short. And I tried to remember what it was. And I, I, I was amazed. But after all these years, I can't remember what it was that he prayed. And I think the reason why is because he, he said it so fast. I don't think he even knew what he was saying. It was just kind of a ritual. And some people do prayer that way for sure. But the statement, the opener, is a very important statement about what we believe about God and what we think about God. And what we think about God determines everything that we believe, and it determines everything that we do. And today I want to look at that, that second, that R, that rejoice, the word rejoice. We talked about pausing last week, how we need to just stop. And today I want to talk about the, we need to stop and then we need to rejoice. And Philippians 4.4 4 says it this way, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, Rejoice. Now, what is rejoice? What does it mean? It means to feel or show great joy, great delight. You see, we are hardwired by God to wonder and to worship about how amazing and how great He is. And it is an re- appropriate and reverent response to simply come before our Lord rejoice with a simple wow. Wow. When I was young, years ago, we went on a family trip to the Grand Canyon, and we arrived at the Grand Canyon right before sunset, and as we walked up to the edge of the canyon, there were hundreds of people that had gathered to watch the sunset, and I was amazed by how quiet it was, how still it was at sunset, and as we came up there, and and we saw this most amazing work of God in this sunset, everyone was quiet with awe, with wow, or maybe... You've been out on a prairie on a spring night whenever the lightning is, is displayed across the sky in splendor. I've seen it a few times in my life where it just would not stop. It was like God's fireworks show. And you just, some people are scared of that, not me. I just stood there in wonder and was just, wow, this is amazing. Whenever a newborn baby, whenever a baby is born and you look at that life, that it's amazing that it even is here in wonder, you just you simply go, wow. You go amazing. We had kind of a cool thing the other day. Our first um, Liberty Hill baby was born yesterday since we've opened. The Pattersons had their had their baby yesterday, and and his name is Brady, and, and I was looking at pictures of him, and I'm just like, wow, it's amazing. You know, David G. Bennerite said it this way: prayer is more than we can ever imagine. Because God is more than you can ever possibly conceive. Whenever we say, our Father, which art in heaven, Holy Hallowed is your name. It is a moment of wow. Now there's, in that statement, that opening statement, there are two huge rocks. There are two huge ideas that we have to get our head around a little bit. And that's what I want to spend some time talking about uh, today, and there you can follow in your notes. The first one is this: is when we pray, we actually pray to our heavenly Father. Father. What in the world does that actually mean? Now Jesus, when he taught this, he could have taught them to address God with really a lot of different words, okay? He could have said, "Our heavenly Creator." Our heavenly savior, our heavenly deliverer, our heavenly healer, because God is so much. He is everything. In fact, in Romans eleven thirty six, 36, it says this, for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. You see, God is above everything, and he could have used any word to describe how we address God when we pray, but he very specifically chose the word Father and names are important. Yeah. Names are so important. I, the, the Pattersons, their little boy is is Brady. I'm sure they spend a lot of time thinking about the name for that baby. I know with our three kids, we spend a lot of time thinking about their names, and, and everybody does this. You always you, you pick names you like, but you never pick a name of somebody that you used to know that you maybe you didn't like so much because you you don't have that memory. You know, I mean, everybody does that, right? So a name is important. A name is personal. A name means something. It it's tied to your identity. One of the things in our family is we actually we actually have nicknames for each other as well, okay? And I know a lot of families you know. I'm gonna I'm gonna kinda go out on a limb and share some of our, our nicknames in our family. We've got some funny ones. We've got we've got emu, we've got Scooty, we've got uh, Grizzly. I'm not gonna tell you whose these are, you can just guess. We've got Toto. I'm Not gonna tell you who these are, but, but there's one I'm gonna I'm gonna actually out this person because they're not here. My oldest son, Christian. You wanna know what his nickname is? His nickname is Zabumi. Okay? The reason why his name is Zabumi is when he, he was born, there was this show that we would watch on PBS called Zaboomafu. Okay, and it was about these two animal guys, it was the Crap brothers, and their little their little monkey, it was this little lemur, white lemur monkey that was their mascot. And you know when Christian was born 20 over 21 years ago now. We looked at him and he goes, you know, he kind of looks like a white lemur monkey, you know, and so we, we named him Zaboomafo. That was like our nickname for him. In fact, even this day we call him Zaboomy. <laughs> Names are important. Now, when Christian was in trouble, I didn't call him Zaboomafo, I call him Andrew Christian Fortner. What are you doing? Okay, that name is important too. Names have a meaning, they mean something, it defines. The relationship. It defines the, the meaning of the relationship. Now, when Jesus told his disciples, call God Father, I think they would have been a little surprised by that. They certainly had an understanding of Yahweh as Father, but that was a little bit personal for them to understand. And I think he knew, and he knows that us, when you hear that word Father, you may take that. In a variety of different ways, in fact, everybody in this room, when I say that word you 've got a different picture in your mind. For some of you, it 's kind of neutral for some of you, it may be positive for some of you, it is a negative, and you have a hard time wiping the face of your earthly father off of the face of the heavenly father. Why is that it 's because we don 't have perfect dads that are here on this earth. We have dads that are that are absent. maybe when I said "father, you thought a, Dad, that's just not there. Maybe you thought of a dad that was abusive. Maybe you thought of a father. Many people had what we call the father wound, where the father, their earthly father, has said something really, really awful to them. Psychologists will tell you that when a child up to age six, they primarily get their identity from mom. But after the age of six, it primarily comes from dad, from father. No wonder we have people in identity crisis because we have an epidemic of absentee fathers. But Jesus specifically uses father because the only way for you to know your true identity is to know your heavenly father. It's the only way. In prayer, the father is not impressed with your words, with your eloquence. He wants to know your heart. Our prayer comes from our heart to our Father, who is close, who is loving, who is personal. Romans 8.26 says it this way. 8th, 8.26 says it this way. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness, For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with the groanings that cannot express in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. Now, I think Jesus looks for the groaning of our heart. He looks for the groaning of one that wants to long for a father, but he knows that our picture of a father is not right, so he was trying to teach us what the heavenly father really thinks. And there's a story in the Bible of a son and a father of how it's supposed to work. And it shows us kind of how a lot of our relationships are to our father as well. It says it like this. This is Luke 15:11. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth and wild living. Now, this son that gave it all away, many of us live like that. We take our inheritance and we go off and we, we go away from God and we're living in relationship to our father like a practical orphan. What's mine is mine. I'm all alone. There's no one to support me. I'm completely independent. Many people have that idea with their heavenly father. In verse, verse 14, it goes on, I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. You see, many people are out there like this. As they feel they have too much shame. They've done too much wrong. They can't possibly be in relationship to their father because they're unworthy. I'm not worthy to be loved. And they're basically living as a practical servant in shame. I knew a guy that I worked with one time that we were going together to a church, not for a church service, but actually do some training there um, after hours during the week. And, and he made the joke, he goes, I don't know if I should walk into church because I might burn up when I go in there. And I'm like, What what do you mean by that? Well, what he meant was he knew that he was so far away from God. He had this awful picture of what God must have thought of him, that he's just gonna he just couldn't even set foot inside of a church. Many people live their life with their heavenly father that way. That's not the way it's supposed to be. And here in this last piece, we get the picture of the way that it really is, the way our heavenly father really looks at us. In verse 20, so he got up and went off to his father. But while he was still a long ways off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. So he ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son, But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they begin to celebrate. Now this is the picture that the heavenly father has of us. And notice this cool thing. Even if the son thought that he was an orphan, or thought that he was a servant, the picture of the father did not change. That's the way that God, our heavenly father, sees you, regardless of where you're at. Regardless of where you're at. You know, St. Augustine said it this way. God's ear hears the heart's voice. When we cry out to our heart, our father hears us no matter what our words are. He hears our heart. 17th century monk Francois Finland said this, true prayer is only another name for the love of God. Its excellence does not consist in the multitude of words for the Father knoweth what things we have need before we even ask him. The true prayer is that of the heart and the heart prays only for what it desires. True prayer comes from the heart to our heavenly Father who loves us. You know, a day that I will never, ever, ever forget is June the 1st, 1996. Now, the reason why I will never forget that day is that's the day that Karen and I got married. It's a very, very special day. It's a very wonderful day. The memories of that day are amazing. In fact, it's such a special day. We even hired a photographer to come, as everybody does, to take pictures so that you can remember for the rest of your life this very very special day. Well, I want to I want to show you my most favorite picture from that day and we're going to we're going to put it up on the screen here. And that's it. <laughs> this is this is Karen and I. Now, I know what you're saying, it's not a photo, that's not a photograph. No, it's not. But it is a picture of Karen and I on our wedding day and and it's not Perfect. I mean, the proportions are a little bit off. Karen was wearing pearls that look like that. Her hair was like that. My glasses kind of look like that a little bit. The, the size is a little bit off. I mean, I was, I was, I'm actually a little bit more tall than Karen. I mean, it looks like she's wearing platform shoes on there, which she wasn't wearing platform shoes. In fact, she wasn't wearing any shoes because she had her appendix out like two days before, so she couldn't, couldn't wear shoes. So it's, it's not a perfect picture. But in my mind, it is the perfect picture. And the reason why it's the perfect picture of our wedding day is because my daughter Karis drew this picture just a few years ago. And she drew it looking at a photograph. And when I saw this, I thought this is the best picture of our wedding day because it is from a loving daughter that from her heart, though not perfect, is the perfect expression of her love for us. Guys, I want to tell you, this is exactly the way that God sees your prayers, your rejoice, your wow from your heart to his heart. It is the most precious thing in the world to him. We pray to our heavenly father. Now the second big rock in that statement is this, is he is our father and he's utterly unique, and he is holy. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed. Now that's not a word that I use every day. I mean, maybe, maybe that's in your vocabulary, but that's not the one that I just throw out there every day. But here's what it means: it means holy. It means utterly unique, utterly amazing, utterly separate. There's nothing else like it. In fact, maybe the best way to look at it would be to look at something, a conversation, a moment between Moses and God in Exodus chapter three, verse four says this. God said, do not come any closer to Moses. Take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Now think about that for a second in contrast to what we just talked about. Holy means that Moses can't even come close. He's got to take off his feet. He's got to hide his face. He's got to look away in fear. How is it possible that someone that's holy is also our heavenly Father, do you see how those two things are in contrast with each other? In fact, much of the Old Testament is reading about this idea of God being holy and we are not and how it is so hard. We can't even come in close proximity to him without just burning up like like Moses did. There was this story of of the the ark, the ark of the covenant that was being brought back into the camp which was the representation of God's presence, and it kind, of, it kind of jostled a little bit, and there was some poor soul that reached out and touched it, and he got too close to the prince of God, and he vaporized instantly. That's scary. That's awful. But that is an idea of the holiness of God. Now, think of it this way. Holy, think of God's holiness. It's, it's like the sun. It's the brightest, most powerful thing in our solar system. We need it for life. It is the source of life. It is good. We have to have it to survive. But you can't go too close to it or else you're going you're to burn up. Not because it's bad, but because it is so good. That's what God is like. That's what the holiness of God is like. And that is a huge problem. In fact, a lot of the Old Testament is laws and rules about how people could try to somehow make themselves pure or have a priest or someone else make themselves pure just so they could be in a little bit more close proximity to God. And it was a problem because they couldn't get too close. But here we have this amazing thing Jesus changed all of that. For the first time we have Jesus by his work on the cross, by what he did for us, that he, God, comes to us and touches us and makes us pure and makes us holy so that we can be with him and we can call him Father and we can be close forever. Thanks be to Christ for what he has done for us. Knowing this truth, that God is our Father and God is holy, but because of Jesus, we can come near. It changes everything. And it makes us in prayer be able to go to God and say, Wow, I love you. This is awesome. I rejoice with who you are. I wanna, in closing, I wanna give you five simple ways that you can say, Wow, to God, that you can rejoice to God. Number one, they're in your notes. You can rejoice. You can say wow by awakening my soul. Now here's the deal. There are times when you just don't feel like saying wow to God. I mean, sometimes you get the feels, you get the goosebumps, you get the good feeling. And I, I hope I get that every Sunday, but I'm going to be honest with you, this Sunday, when I, today when I got up in the morning, I didn't feel it. I didn't feel the wows. But you know what I did? I'm going to say wow anyway. I'm going to awaken my soul. I'm going to just do it. I'm going to do it when I don't feel it because feelings are not the issue here. The issue is who he is, and the issue is who we are. And I'm going to do it. I'm going to say it anyway. I need to tell my wife I love her all the time, and sometimes, most of the time, I feel it. But there are times when I don't feel it, but I do it anyway because it's the right Thing to do. Hebrews 13 15 says this, therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to His name. A sacrifice of praise. Awaken my soul, meaning I'm just going to do it even when I don't feel like it. Number two, how do you say wow to God? By reading a psalm. The Psalms, the book in the Bible, it's awesome. It's awesome because it was Jesus' prayer book. It was the one that he used. And it is prayers that cover a variety of topics all over the place. And they are so practical for every situation that you're in, for every moment that you're in. Psalm 5.3 is clearly someone saying wow to God in the morning. Psalm 5.3, in the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait expectantly. And Psalm 4.8 is clearly somebody that's going to sleep. Okay? In peace I will lie down and sleep, for you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. Number three, how do you say wow? You can say it by rejoicing with others. That's what we do here every Sunday. We rejoice with others, with other people. Interesting enough, the Lord's prayer, prayer is plural. Our Father which are in heaven. Why is that? It's because we need to rejoice and say wow together. We need to do it corporately. We need to do it in a family where it's a challenge sometimes. And it's encouraging. and, And sometimes it makes us uncomfortable. But we need to do it with other people. We need to say wow with other people. Number four, how can you say wow? Four with Bethel, Beethoven, and wait for it, Beyonce, okay, and there is a little there is a little thing over the e at the end. <laughs> Pastor, what are, what are you talking about? I'm saying we can say wow with music, with music, we can say wow. You know, whenever I was growing up and I went to church, I mean, I loved to worship, but I honestly didn't really like church music, the style of it. Like, I liked what it said, but I didn't like the way it sounded. I mean, I wouldn't you know play it in my car radio at, after school. And church music has gotten a lot better for sure. But one thing that I did do is I really, I loved, I loved classical music. And at night before I would go to sleep, I would lay down in my bed and I would put on my Walkman (laughs) and the headphones. I'd put on Beethoven's Ninth Symphony or the Tchaikovsky Violin Concerto or some great work that didn't even have words. But I would find myself just Imagining stories from the Bible as I would listen to this music and, and I just, it's like my spirit just learned how to just marvel and say wow to a God who is so amazing and just, it was like I was just touching his spirit. I was saying wow I was rejoicing. You can worship that way out of the depths and the realness and the authenticity of your heart. You can say wow with music. Number five, you can say wow with your your unique expression. With your unique expression. What is the native language of your heart? What is it that you can worship, rejoice with? Eric Lytle, the missionary and, and Olympic runner, the guy that the movie Chariots of Fire is about. He said, God made me fast, so when I run, I feel his pleasure. He worshiped the the Lord. He said, wow to God by running. Can you do that? Yes, you can. David, in the Bible, in the Psalm, he wrote how he saw the moon and the stars on display and how it made him just want to say wow to God. You can say, wow, you can rejoice the Lord by looking through a telescope. There was a guy in the Bible named Bezalel who was gifted in arts, in crafts, and he worshiped the Lord by making beautiful things to the Lord. He said, wow, by letting that be an expression that came from his heart. Mary, the mother of Jesus, when she found out that she was great with child, she wrote one of the greatest prayers in the Bible, the Magnificat, and it was a response to her own pregnancy. It was a moment of just saying, wow. Wow. To God, the magi in the Bible, their intellectual pursuit. What is the language of your heart? I told you a while ago about Christian, my oldest son Zabumi. And when he was very little, we would we would play music in our living room. We would dance around with our kids to the music and just have fun. And it was so much fun. And there was one day I remember this very specifically. I was having kind of a rough day, and I, I just was not in the dancing mood at all. I came home, plopped down on the couch, and And Christian wanted to to dance, and we put the music on, and he started to dance around the room. And as I watched him dance, there was something inside of me that just changed a bit. And you know what I did? I jumped off off that couch in my awful day, and I began to dance around the room with Christian with all my might. And you want to know what? After a bit of time, I was worshiping and saying, wow, to the Lord. And I don't even remember what that bad day was about. You can worship the Lord. You can say, wow. Because our heavenly Father is so good. It says all over the Psalms, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord a new song. You have a song in you that no one else can sing, and it is unique to you. You can rejoice creatively. The problem is that so many believers are saying wow like they would with karaoke. It's just going along to some other track and they're just going along by rote. But it needs to be a song that is new. That is from your heart to the Lord. Step out. Give God the most original rendition of your heart that there is. God is a loving Father who is sovereign and holy. We can receive His smile with a smile. In a world that forsakes and despises him continually, we can bring such joy to the Father's heart. God is good, and we are loved. When we pray, we can pause, and we can truly rejoice with the sincere, wow, Father, I love you. I love you. Now, as we close this service, I want us to just do that together, if you would. If you guys could just stand to your feet right now. We're going to have our prayer team come to the front. And they're going to be down here just to receive anyone that might want to have prayer this morning. But as we close this service, I want us to take a moment to say wow to our Heavenly Father. From your heart to His heart. He is a loving Father that is perfect, and sovereign and holy and wants to be with you more than you could possibly imagine would you let your song rise him let's pray together Lord Daddy Father I love you I love you we love you you are holy you are good you are above all you see all and know all You know all of my yesterdays, and you know all of my tomorrows. You hold them in your hands, and you are good. And for this reason, we are in wonder of who you are. Thanks for joining us today. If God is doing something in your life or you're looking for ways to get connected, you can learn about groups, teams, and more at onechapel.com welcome. You can subscribe to future messages from One Chapel on your favorite podcast player. And of course, you're always invited to services every Sunday morning at 9 and 11. See you next time.